The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. The handle unmarked. But the gun has killed and the man has killed. People call them both the six-shooter. Around Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. Welcome to another one of our Gunsmoke Six-Shooter Western Wednesdays. First, we have the Gunsmoke with an episode called I Don't Know from 1952, December 6th. This episode has Dick Beals in it, and I love when Dick Beals does a kid part in the Gunsmoke series. He does such a great job. The sound quality on this is outstanding. Uh, following that, we have the six-shooter episode, and it, that six-shooter episode is called Anna Norquist. And so we hope you're going to enjoy that with Jimmy Stewart, of course. Another great sounding episode. Now, if uh, this is our last week for a while to ask for donations, if you'd like to listen to all of my Gunsmoke podcasts I've ever done and you'd like to have access to those, then I send you a link for that if you donate at least $2 a month to our podcast. If you donate at least $3 a month to the podcast, you'll get access to all of my podcasts I've ever done, plus all of my um, source material, which includes all of my great sounding Gunsmoke episodes without any introductions, just the clean copies of the episodes, and I'm adding more all the time. So I hope uh, you'll sign up and uh, help donate to the podcast, because it's the only way we can keep pursuing to get uh, higher quality episodes of all the shows, is by having enough people donate. Um, Anyway, without further ado, let's get into Gunsmoke and the Six Shooter. Dodge City and in the territory on west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke. Starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Marshal, come on! Ow! Let me go! 
what have you got there, Chester? About half and half kid, Mr. Dillon. I'll smack you flat on the Hold it now. You don't stop that kid. Now hold it. You want me to take a strap to you? Now hold it. You best lock him up somewhere, Mr. Dillon. It's safer that way. All right, Chester, just calm down. Now you come over here, son. Sit down. Come on. Look out, Mr. Dillon. He's got hold of your gun. Okay. Now you sit there. And don't you move an inch. You hear me? Not one inch. He is a mean little bug. Now what's it all about, Chester? What's he done? I ain't done nothing. Now you hush your mean little face. This here place is the law and you're talking What's to the he done, Chester? I ain't done nothing. There, you I hear that, Chester? Dylan? Yes, sir. Well, sir, I, I don't really know what he's done. That's what but, I told you. I ain't done nothing. Mr. Dillon, I was walking down to the office when I see this, this kid. I know most all the sprouts in town, but not him, so I says, hello, and he starts running. That's what he did? Yes, sir. And that's why you brought him in here? I sure did, Mr. Dillon. I figured if a kid runs away from me for doing nothing, then he's been up to something, so he must have done something. You know what I mean? No. Now, what's your name, son? I ain't done nothing. All right. Now, what's your name? I ain't saying. There, you see what I mean, Mr. Dillon? Just plain, ornery, mischievous... You live here in Dodge? I ain't saying. All right. Well, he's probably a runaway, Chester. I guess we'll have to lock him up until somebody comes looking for him, huh? Best thing in this whole wide world to do, Mr. Dillon. Just look at where he gnawed my thumb. Best thing to do. Come on, you. You ain't gonna lock me up? Have you got a better idea? We gotta do something with you. Let me be on my way. Well, where do you live? About four miles out. Oh. Oh, sure, sure, I know you. You're, uh, the Macklin kid. No, I ain't. I'm Danny Birch, but... I ain't saying. There, I knew he wasn't town kid. I just knew that, Mr. Dillon. What did I tell you? Nothing. Now, if you'll just close up a minute, Chester, we can get this settled and Danny can go on his way. Now, you say you haven't done anything wrong, son? No. Your ma know you're in Dodge this morning? Guess so. Huh? All your chores done before you came? No. Well, maybe you better go on back then, huh? Your ma might be kind of worried. Guess so. You, uh, got a horse? Yeah. Okay. So long. And take it easy. I can go now? Sure. Go ahead, Danny. You're Marshal Dillon, ain't you? Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess I come to Dodge to fetch you. My sister sent me. Oh? I wasn't going to, but I got to now, because I promised Lily. She made me swear on Rattler's buttons. I figured if I didn't see, I wouldn't be telling no lie if I told her you wasn't around. But now I see you. No, 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 hold on. Your sister wants me to come out with you to your place, is that it? Yeah. Why? On account of Pa. None of us gives a hoot except in Sister Lily, and she's just acting like a girl. Oh, what's happened to your Pa? He's gone off again, shooting up the cattle. Thing is, he took two guns with him this time and a whole mess of bullets. Lily's just scared. Your pa been drinking a little, maybe? I guess. Anyhow, he goes loco and stays that way for a long while. But it's like Dave and Donald say. He'll get over it. He always does. They're my brothers, Dave and Donald. They ain't worrying. Uh-huh. Hmm. Now, you want me to go out with you to help find him. Is that it? I don't want it. Lily does. 
I just swore on railroad buttons that I'd fetch you. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Well, it's good that you did. Uh, Chester, get your stuff, will you? We'll ride out with Danny. I didn't get anything more out of the boy on the way out to the Birch place. No one in town knew much about the family. They'd moved in about a year earlier, came up from the territories. The folks about said Birch and his brood kept pretty much to themselves. There'd never been any trouble with anybody. I looked at the boy riding his horse bareback. He was nice looking enough, but there was something the matter with his mouth. It was too hard. You could tell he wasn't a kid who did much smiling. Maybe with his paw acting that way, I didn't blame him. He sure rode his horse proud, though. It was hot and dry, and by the time we were in sight of the birch place, the sun was burning down hard. Oh, oh. oh. that'd be Donald, I figure. Yeah, there he is. Kid, get off on that horse and get over here. I'm gonna get yourself a licking. Lily made me go. It's not my fault. Do as I say. Now you, mister. The name's Dylan. I'm the U.S. Marshal out of Dodge. Your brother asked me to come out and help. Don't need no help. Shut up, Ham. Nothing to help with. Danny, you heard. Put the horse away and get in the house. You ain't giving me no licking. Put up your gun. I'm coming over to talk. Come on, Chester. It's against the law to shoot a man in cold blood. Shucks. You know that? Shucks, I wasn't aiming at you. I was aiming at a rabbit up on the rise there. Your horse is scattered away. Mm-hmm. Well, now, what about your paw? What about him? Have you found him? Shucks, he don't need to be found. He'll come back when he's good and ready. Pa's off hunting. That's not what your brother says. He's... Where'd he go? Oh, he's going to get himself a lick, and that's what, and he knows it. Crap himself away, that's what. Donald, that's your name, isn't it? Yeah. Well, look, I'm not one to interfere in family matters, but if you do need help, I mean, if your paw's shooting up cattle like Danny says, well, maybe he'll be practicing next on people, and that wouldn't be so good. Well, that brother of ours, he's a dirty little liar. No, he's not, Donald. I'm glad you came, Marshal. You come into the house, please. Chester and I followed the girl into the house. I knew it was the sister, Lily. All the family I'd seen up to then had had a great likeness to each other. Donald slouched in behind us and moved around the room nervous-like. It wasn't by rights a house... And it was too big for a cabin. I had the feeling that they'd put up boards and studs where the fancy took them, and the place just grew another room like a lizard's new tail. I don't know what it was, but I got a funny feeling. It was too hot, and something was wrong. All wrong. And the girl Lily looked square at me with hard eyes. 
Donald. Huh? Sit down. You make me nervous. Oh, sure. Marshal Dillon, I want you to help us find Paul. Oh, Lily, Dave's going to be awful mad. Somebody's got to do something around here. Did, uh, did your pa take a horse? No. Well, where do you think he went, Miss Lily? I don't know. Maybe up to Horse Flats. Maybe over by Gorman's Creek. Creek's all dried up. There's going to be no water in there. Did he take a water skin with him? Uh-uh. No, he, he didn't. Kind of bad, wandering around without no water. When did he leave? Yesterday morning. Heard a couple of shots along about noon. Dave found a calf laying dead over in the North Range. Uh, you can see it there through the window. Haven't had time to bring it in yet. Was, um... Was he drunk? Well, sure. Dr drunk as you can get. Weren't he, Lily? I'm... I'm... A feared for Marshal Dillon. Yeah, I understand. Well, it makes good sense you sent for me. Well, I'll uh, I'll try and find him and bring him back. Well, I ain't gonna do no such thing. You at Marshal, fella, out of Dodge? This is Marshal Dillon, Dave. My brother, Dave Birch. How are you? I told you, Lily. Hold you keep our business to us, not outside. It's got to be somebody else's business the way it is, Dave. And you know it. No such thing, Lily. I, I told her, Dave. I told her. I, I, I knew you was going to be mad. I, uh, I figure the four of us, you and your brother here and Chester and me, ought to be able to get him in before night. Now, mister, I told you we don't need you nor no one else. I'll be obliged you get off this property. Dave! Shut up, Lily. I'll see you and your fellow there to the door, Marshal. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, if your paw's running around dangerous, it's my duty to find him. Donald. I got him. Get up slow, Marshal. And you fellow, reach up high. Okay, Dave. Take the guns. The younger brother, Donald, had got behind my chair, and now he was covering us with a shotgun. Dave took our guns. It was kind of crazy, and I almost wanted to laugh when I saw the kid, Danny, peeking in around the door. But then I saw his eyes, and there was the same thing in them. Hard, angry, as in the others. The girl started to say something. Then she shut up. Now get on your horses and ride back. And I don't want you out here again. This ain't no matter for the law, and you're trespassing. You're making it a matter for the law right now. You know that. Start walking. Them guns is U.S. property. Okay. I ain't no thief. It's here bullets I'm keeping. Figure they're worth about two bits. Donald, give them two bits. Sure. Here. All right, now, here's your guns. Now, get out fast. You come snooping back again, me and my brother's going to be shooting at you.
return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, for centuries, arthritis and rheumatism have plagued mankind. And it's only in the last few years that science has begun to find hopeful avenues to explore toward relief and cure. The Arthritis and Rheumatism Foundation, established in 1948, holds a yearly drive to obtain funds for yet more concentrated research. A contribution to this year's drive, sent simply, Arthritis, in care of your local postmaster, will help this fine work to continue for the eventual benefit of everyone. And now for the second act of Gunsmoke. The two brothers followed us out and over to the horses. As hot as it was in the house, it was worse in the open. The saddles were burning. There wasn't another word passed between the Birch boys and me. They just stood covering us. And when I looked back a hundred yards or more off, they were still there. Well, Ship, that's what comes of trying to do a kindness, Mr. Dillon. As far as I'm concerned, they deserve whatever happens. It's hot. I can't make it out, Chester. You'd think from the way they talk, they don't care what happens to their paw. Mean bunch of children. They probably don't. My, Mr. Dillon, you ain't even riled they pulled guns on us. I guess I'm not, Chester. You know, there's something awful wrong back there. Those boys don't look the kind to pull a gun. The girl wanted to talk, all right, but they wouldn't let her. Just mean, that's all. Oh, oh. you aim to go back, Mr. Dillon? It's like I said, Chester, if it's just a family affair, you and me don't belong in it. But if the old man's as drunk as he sounds, he could make a lot of trouble. No, we're not going back right now. We're going to have a look around this country for a spell. <laughs> Chester and me covered a lot of ground that morning and into the afternoon. I had an idea that we might find Birch wherever we could find water. Without a horse, he couldn't get too far, and without water, he was going to get sick pretty quick. We rode over by Gorman's Creek and then up to Horse Flats, and there was nothing. Along about two in the afternoon, Chester spotted a carcass lying off the trail. It was a cow. She'd been shot three times in the head. Could have happened this morning or yesterday. Uh-huh. Hard to tell in this weather. Oh. Well, the ground's too dry to pick up a track. Might as well take a chance and go over to the hills. Yeah, might be water there. Boy, I could do with some right this very minute. Come on, I got a funny taste in my mouth looking at that dead cow. When a thing dies natural or gets killed for food, that's one thing, but even an animal has a look about it when it's been murdered. We rode the half a dozen miles to the hills. They weren't rightly hills, maybe more like humps rising up from the brown, dry earth, and we could get a good view across the plain. 
There was a patch or two of wild oats up there, long turned to rust and foxtails. Maybe it was in our minds, but just those few feet higher made us seem closer to the sun and hotter. Be able to see if he's out there anywhere. Mr. Dillon, he'd be dead if he was. Man couldn't live a morning out there on foot. Well, I don't think he's going to find water up here. Now, look at that. Dry as a bone. You see something, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, tracks, I think. Yeah, he's been up here. I went down again, though. Over there. He sure made a long way on foot. Must be more than eight miles from his place. Yeah. Oh, you darn fool. Rattler. Yeah, I saw. Blew his head clean off. I was afraid you was going to step on him. <laughs> well, we'll follow the tracks until they give out. Come on. Those tracks kept going in and around the hills. In a couple of places, we saw where they'd stopped by a dry water hole and went on. Then as the hill sloped down to the plain again, we lost them. But the direction seemed to be headed back to the birch place. That's the way we rode. We hadn't gone more than 15 minutes along when... we saw the body of a man and a horse some few feet away. They were both dead. He wanted to make sure, didn't he, Mr. Dillon? Birch must have emptied his gun. Look at that. Isn't it Jack Mason, one of old man Gorman's hands? Yes, sir. That's who it is right enough. Nice fella, too. I knew him a bit. Get him on your horse, will you, Chester, and take him over to Mr. Gorman? Yes, sir, I'll do that. I'm going to go back to the Birch place. I... I'd rather come with you, Mr. Dillon. No, meet me there, huh? Yes, sir. And if you see Birch on the way... Watch your step. Try not to kill him. But don't take any chances. No, sir, I surely won't. There was killing now, and I wasn't in the mood to talk gentle and kind with the sons and girl at the house. It was the boy Danny that saw me first. He was sitting on the doorstep. He ran inside. And a second later, I saw Dave come out with a shotgun. I didn't give him a chance to make up his mind. Get inside. Your arms, Get inside now, you hear me? I'm sorry, but I'm not arguing with you anymore. Where's your paw? I don't know. He killed a man back on the plane away. You're a liar. Told you get in the house, kid. Now get... I'm staying. He's a liar. Paw never killed nobody. Where's Donald and your sister? Out, look. Mr. Diddy. He killed someone. 
Yeah. Jack Mason, one of Gorman's boys. Don't you say that. Don't you say... Danny, give me some whiskey, will you? My arm pains. Yeah. Yeah, I will. But you ain't gonna tell no lies about my poor... You tell him to quit, Dave. Where do you think he is? Donald heard a shot up horse flats when they'd gone up there. And he must have doubled back from the hills. Listen, you tell the boy to ride into town and fetch the doc out here. He'll take care of that arm. Okay. When my deputy rides in, Chester Proudfoot, tell him where I've gone, will you? Sure. Marsh? Yeah. Marshal, you gonna... You gonna kill our... our paw? I don't want to. Not if I can help it. Over at Horse Flats, I caught up with Donald and Lily Birch. I told him about the killing. And a half mile further on, the three of us saw the old man. He was crouched down on his haunches by a parched water hole. Stripped naked. He was crying. It was a bad sound. And when I saw his eyes, I knew he wasn't drunk. There was no sign of his guns or his clothes. Come on, Pa. It's okay. It's done. You're, you're okay, Pa. Come on, Pa. Come on, Pa. Please. I knew it would happen like this. Someday. I knew it would. Boys figured it'd be shame on us all if word got out Pa had spells. Your brothers were wrong. Pop, please, will you? Pop, come on. It was all right till after Ma died. And he started to act this way. That's why we had to leave our last place. People found out. Try to keep him home, but it weren't no good. Give your old boy a sip of water. Your father's sister now. Come on, Pa, get up. We're going to bed. funny. Pa never took a drink in his life. We always said he was drunk when he carried on like this. Oh, uh, uh, People could figure a man drunk. I'm sorry, Miss Lily, but I'm going to have to take him in. I got to. What'll they do to him? I don't know. But he's done murder. It's my job to take him in. They'll hang him. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Son, son, where, where's your brother? He didn't want to let you come out here alone. Now, you're too young now. Where's your ma? She ought to know better now. Miss Lily, where's come over ma? here. Oh, oh, no, son. Now, I want you to listen to me. It's not my business, but will you let me give you some advice? Miss Lily? Huh? Now you sell this place. I'll see what I can do to help. And you and your brothers go somewhere else and start afresh. You can get a good price for your land. You do that. It's best. Yeah. We'll go. I'm not saying you've got to. I'm saying it'll be better. It'll be better for the kid. He's seen too much of this. It's not good. You gotta teach him to... to smile again. Act like a kid again. You understand? 
You understand? Sure. I understand. Okay. I'll be taking him along now. We'll stop off at your place with some clothes. All right. We took the old man back to his place and got him dressed. His children said goodbye to him like they knew that they'd never see him again. Like there was no hope. Chester rode in and the old man seemed real happy to go back with us to Dodge. He didn't know. He didn't care. On the way, we passed the dock and Danny riding out to take care of Dave's arm. It's a funny thing, the old man didn't even see the kid. He was prattling to us about the Indian Wars. The last I saw Danny Birchie, he was looking back over his shoulder at his paw. And we heard him still crying a long way off. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Richard Beals as Danny and Michael Ann Barrett as Lily, with Lee Millar, John Daner, and Lawrence Dobkin. Parley Bear is Chester. Gunsmoke is heard by our troops overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. The New York Philharmonic celebrates its 110th birthday tomorrow, and in observance, there will be a repeat performance of Beethoven's Symphony No. 5. This work was featured on the first Philharmonic broadcast over a hundred years ago. Join us on most of these same CBS radio stations tomorrow for the 110th birthday of the New York Philharmonic Symphony. Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, America now listens to 105 million radio sets and listens most to the CBS Radio Network.
In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as The Six Shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you each week on NBC. Tomorrow night, there's top comedy entertainment with The Bob Hope Show, The Phil Harris Alice Fay Show, and Can You Top This with Senator Ford. Bob Hope delivers rapid-fire comedy routines, while Phil Harris and Alice Fay bring both mirth and music. It's a great Friday night lineup of comedy programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as The Six Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle, unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponset, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. It was Friday morning when I got to Smoke Falls on my first trip to town about three months. Dad Foster needed a little extra money for feed, so he asked me to drive about a dozen of his heifers in and sell them at Saturday's auction. Well, I turned the cattle over to Brad McLean. He was the auctioneer. And then, seeing as about noontime, I wandered into Windy Night's Cafe. Windy's food's real good, too. Corned beef and cabbage, boiled potatoes, rice pudding for dessert. Real tasty. There was only one drawback to eating there. Windy. And then Ned Burke. Uh, he's a marshal now, Brett. But I guess you knew that, didn't you? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, I, d- I didn't. I, uh... Oh, sure, sure. He was elected last July. 102 votes was cast. 102. Well, that's the biggest election we've ever had in this town. The biggest in this part of the state, for all I know. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, huh? Well, unless you count Fort Lyons. And over there, they ain't very particular who they let vote. Why, I hear tell there was a drummer passing through the town last election day, and they just drug him right off to the polls. Mm, don't say. Yeah, I'll just bet you, if there was to be an honor census, we'd show up with a good 20 more people in Fort Lyon. Let me show Let me show Well, I sure was a fine meal, Wendy. Now, well, now just... where do you think you're going, Britt? You ain't let me tell you about Marshal Burke finding Seth Quincy's body. Huh? Well, what did you think I was leading up to? Well, I didn't... Exactly now. Yeah, a week ago last Monday, that's when it happened. Oh. Yeah, the reason I remember so plain is, along about 10 o'clock in the morning, it started to thunder. And I said to Mrs. Coombs, I run into her coming down Main Street, I said, Mrs. Coombs, I said, don't let that thunder fool you. It ain't going to rain the first week in September. No, sir. I lived around here for 17 years and it ain't never rained after the 25th of August. That's what I said. Yeah. Well, now, what about Mr. Quincy? Well, I was coming to that, Brett. Can't you give a body a minute? Oh, sure, sure, Wendy. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Well, he was lying on the floor of his parlor when Marshal Burke come in. Uh, they say the place looked like he'd put up quite a fight, too. Broken furniture and glassware all over the place. I see. Uh, slug in his chest, that's what killed him. Uh, shooting must have been around 11 o'clock that morning. That's so. Yeah, leastwise, that's when Mrs. Henderson said she heard what sounded like a shot... You know the Hendersons, Britt. Live right over in the road there, uh, just down the road a bit from uh, Seth uh, Quincy's ranch, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure, I know. Uh, Clyde Henderson. He's that short, red-haired fellow who marries Sarah Watkins. I, I said I knew him, Wendy. 
Well, there's no need to take my head off. I'm just trying to give you the facts. Oh, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Give me the facts. Well, let's see. Where was I? Well, that's the trouble. Somebody interrupts you and you lose your whole train of thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. About Seth Quincy. Well, I guess that's all there is to tell. A trial was last Monday. A trial? Sure. Pete Kelgren, the fellow that killed him. Pete Kelgren? What's the matter with you, Brett? Ain't you listening to me? What? Well, you know, you kind of neglected to mention Pete Kelgren before, Wendy, you know. I did? Yes. Oh. Well, uh, there wasn't any doubt but that he was guilty. When Marshal Burke arrested him, Kelgren still had the $400 in his pocket. $400, huh? The money he stole from Seth. Oh, uh uh-huh. That's funny. Pete Kelgren never struck me as a type of... I guess you just never can tell about people, can you? Oh, I didn't know you was a friend of Pete's, Britt. Well, we weren't exactly friends, but we met up a couple of times. He always seemed like a nice young fellow to me. Well, he even admitted robbing Seth. Of course, he says that when he come in, Seth was already dead, and the strong box was just sitting right there, real inviting. <laughs> he sure must think we're a bunch of ignoramuses expecting us to believe a yarn like that. <laughs> well, I suppose it could be true. The jury didn't see it that way. Hanging is scheduled for next Monday. The uh, hanging? Well, I reckon I owe you a quarter, huh? Well, now, just a minute. I'll get you your change. Well, I'll be doggone. She's still there. Hmm? Well, that girl over in front of the depot. Been standing there since 9 a.m. this morning. Come in on the express from Fort Lyon. Oh. I guess she's waiting for somebody to meet her. Funny, I ain't heard of nobody expecting visitors. I usually get wind of a thing like that. Yeah, yeah, I imagine you do. Yeah. Well, here's your change, Britt. Thanks a lot. Don't mention it. I'll, I'll be seeing you, Andy. Hey, you're going to be in town for a while, ain't you? No, no, I'm heading back to Foster Ranch tomorrow. Oh, that's a shame. You'll miss the hanging. Mm-hmm. Well, I reckon I can do without it. So long. I couldn't help noticing the girl waiting on the station platform. She's young, not more than 20 or so. Pretty, too. The straw-colored hair that was sort of fixed up in braids across the top of her head. Real pretty. And it sure looked like she intended to stay around Smoke Falls for a spell. At least why she had plenty of luggage with her. Two great big canvas suitcases and a wicker basket packed to overflowing. I started to cross over toward her, and she gave a little turn... She was frowning, kind of anxious-like. She seemed to be studying me as if she was trying to make up her mind about something. I, uh, excuse me for bothering you, miss, but uh, is there anything I can do for you? You come to meet me, mister? Uh, oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see now. You could not be him. Uh, how's that? He's shorter, fella. He sent me a picture. He's a different-looking man. Uh, then you're waiting for somebody. Oh, huh? sure, sure. Well, maybe if you told me who it is, I maybe I'd be able to find him for you. It is man I came to marry. Oh, oh, I say. Be right later, over two years now. He have family in the same part of Sweden where I live. A B Swedish, mister. Uh, yes, yes, I sort of figured you might be. Yeah. Then he sent me money. I come to America. I think he must be a rich feller. Send me so much money. Two hundred dollars. Hmm. Yes, well, that's good some money, all right. He, he tell me stay with my sister in Wisconsin till he makes some more. I stayed there six months over, but 
I get tired of waiting. I still have $50 left, so I take train west. Uh-huh. Well, maybe he didn't know you were getting in today. Maybe that's why he's not here yet. Well, I write him letter from Wisconsin. My sister helped me. I'm not so good at English language. No, no, you're doing all right. Doing fine. He must be busy working, and that is why he's late. But he will come. I do not worry. Well, whatever you say. Go on. Uh, uh, mister? Yeah? You're a friend of his? Well, uh, I don't know. You didn't tell me his name. <laughs> oh, I'm a very <laughs> foolish person. I not use my brains. It is a Peter. Peter? Yeah, Peter Kelgren. You have heard of him? Why, oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I've heard of him. You do not see him anywhere today? Uh, no. No, I haven't seen him. Uh, thank you, just the same. Uh. Yeah, mister? I, uh, I didn't tell you my name either. It's Ponsett. Britt Ponsett. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Ponsett. I am Anna Nordquist. Oh, how do you do, Anna? Why you look at me like that, mister? Well, uh, Something uh, is the matter? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm afraid there is. But Peter, he is not sick. No, no, it isn't that. Well? well you, you said you'd come to America to marry Pete? Yeah, sure. But you don't know him very well, do you? Over two years, we write letters. Oh, oh yes, but I, I mean, with, with, with you letters... You think I you... cannot love a man I never meet? No, no, not necessarily. Oh, I know Peter used the same as if we meet a hundred times. We tell each other everything in letters. Well, maybe so, maybe so, but I... Yeah, I... yeah. I see, I see what it is you think. Oh? You tell yourself I only marry Peter because he sent me so much money, because... He is such a rich fellow. No, no. No, of course not. Well, I tell you the truth, mister. I marry him because I love him. I never see him, but I love him. There's no other reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, of course, Anna. Uh, uh, so why don't you come over to the cafe and have a cup of coffee? Huh? Oh, it's very kind of you, but I must be here when Peter comes. Well, I'm afraid Pete isn't coming do not understand. No, I'm awful sorry to tell you about this, but, uh, well, he's in jail. In jail? Yeah. You mean police arrest him? Well, it was the marshal. I'm not about the same thing. What did Peter do? Uh, well, uh... Oh, sure, sure, and no. He's scared to meet me, so he has too much to drink, yeah? No, no, Anna. It's, it's a lot more serious than that. Tell me, mister. Well... The folks say that he killed a man last week. Peter killed a man? Yeah, it sure looks that way. Oh, no, it could not be. He's fine, good feller. Yes, well, I guess you're bound to think that, Anna, but... Uh... They make big mistake. I tell them so. They let me Peter go. Where is Jay? No, 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 I wouldn't do Please, that. Please, Mr. But... Where is Jay? Well, it's just around the corner there, but I don't think Thank I'd... Thank you very much. Now, here, here, let me give you a hand with those I things. I can manage. Huh? I can carry suitcase. Never confirm him. Plenty strong. Now, listen, Anna. I'm afraid the marshal. Goodbye, Mister. You come to bedding, yeah? Oh, sure, sure. I, I mean, I. Well, good luck. see where it was up to me to give Anna all the details about the hang on Monday and everything. She'd find out soon enough. 
sure was a tough break, though, after coming all this distance and marrying a man she'd never seen. Well, I strolled around town for an hour or so, and then I headed over to George Billings' house where I'd left my things. I was planning to spend the night with George and his wife, Ellen. They'd offered me the use of the spare room. Hmm. Nobody home. Well, I picked up the flower pot on the top porch step, and I found a key under it. Oh, there's a note from Ella, too. Said for me to go inside and make myself comfortable. There was a copy of the Smoke Falls Weekly Gazette on the hall table. I skimmed through it for a couple of minutes. The main article was about the Quincy shooting. Pete Kilgren's trial. Oh, who's that is? Oh, hello. They tell me I will find you here. He must talk to you. It's important. Yes, well, come in, Anna. Thank you very much. So, won't you sit down? I would rather stand. I get too nervous if I sit. Mr. Ponsett. Yeah? What is wrong with Marshal Burke? Oh, nothing as far as I know. He says Peter must be hanged. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, it is not possible. They would not hang a man who is not guilty. Uh, well, Anna, maybe Pete is guilty. No. No, he is not. The marshal let me talk to Peter. I ask him if he does this awful thing. He tells me no. Well, uh, Anna... It is no lie. I can tell a man who lies. It is the truth what Peter says. Well, uh... He is fine fellow. Better even than I hope. My sister warned me I should not expect too much. I will be disappointed. But, Peter, he is good and kind and handsome. Oh, he's a nice-looking boy, all right. No doubt about that. And he did not kill any man. He could not be the one. Well, he's admitted stealing Seth Quincy's money. For me. That is why he takes it, so we can get married. It is very wrong to steal, and he must be punished for it. Well, if he was willing to steal... To steal is not to kill. That is why they hang him, yeah? That's right, yeah. Then you must keep them from it. Hmm? Yeah. I tell Peter that we meet, that you are very nice to me. He says you be a famous person with a funny name, um, Six Shooter. Oh, yes, yes. He uh, says you will prove he is not guilty. You will talk to Marshal for him. Uh, well, I don't see what talking to Marshal Burke would do. Please, to... Mr. Ponsett. Uh, I tell you something now. Before I say I come to marry Peter because I'm in love with him because of letters, what he writes. Well, maybe I not speak the truth. Maybe I just want to come to America. I think I get no other chance. But now it is the truth. I meet him and I talk to him. And I am in love. I love him very much. You must believe me, Mr. Ponsett. Oh, sure, Anna. Sure, I believe you. Then you will talk to Marshall. Yeah. Well, all right. All right, I'll talk to him. You are listening to The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett, the Texas cowpoke whose name has become legend throughout the West. 
Now, Act Two of the story, Anna Nordquist. When I left Anna at the hotel, I went over to see Ned Burke. His office was in the front part of the jail where they were keeping Pete Kilgren. Ned had only been marshaled for a few months, but he'd had a couple of years' deputy experience, so he knew the job. And he was sort of a man that usually made a good marshal, too. He's quiet, not looking for trouble, but able to take care of it when the time came. I sure felt terrible, Britt, when she came in here and told me who she was and what yeah, she wanted. Yeah. I let her talk to Kilgren. Figured it was the least I could do. Just seemed to make things worse, though. He convinced her that he was innocent and I was out to get him. Oh, well, no, nobody's going to believe that, Ned. That girl might believe it. Guess I wouldn't blame her if she did. That Kelgren's a pretty smooth talker. Yeah. Uh, Ned. Yeah, Brent? I, there, there couldn't be any doubt about it, could there? Hmm? I mean, as I understand it, Pete says that Quincy was already dead when he got there. Well, sure he did. And that he took the money because, well, it was just so darn tempting. Oh, it don't stand to reason that somebody'd murder Seth and then go off without breaking into a strong box. Now, does it, Britt? No, no, I guess it doesn't. Besides, Sarah Henderson seen Pete riding away from Seth's house not five minutes after she heard a shot. Mm Mm-hmm. What, you uh, arrest him the same day? Well, I came into town right after I found Seth's body. Sarah had sent for me. She had a feeling something was wrong. Kelgren was at Bud Winkler's place. That's where I found him. Mm-hmm. He still have a gun on him? No. No, he claimed he didn't own a forty-five. That's what the slug in Seth's chest was, forty-five. Mm, I see. And of course, Pete had plenty of time to get rid of the gun, and there are plenty of places between Seth's ranch and town where he could have ditched it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true enough. Does anybody ever remember seeing Pete with a forty-five? Mm-hmm. Not that I know of. Now, wait a minute, Britt. You ain't taking Pete's side in this thing, are you? Well, I'm not taking anybody's side, Ned. I'm just curious, that's all. This was a cold-blooded killing. You going out to Seth's place, you'll see. He was an old man, but he sure put up a darn good fight for his life. And from the looks of things, he went on fighting after he was shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I just might take you up on that invitation, Ned. Yeah, I... hmm? yeah about going out to Seth's place. See you later. <laughs> It was getting on toward dusk when I reached Seth Quincy's ranch. Whoa. Whoa, boy. Whoa, Scar. Whoa. I walked up the front steps and tried the door. It wasn't locked. Seth had lived alone. It didn't look like anybody had in to straighten things up since the murders. Boy, there sure had been a whale of a fight in the parlor there. A couple of broken chairs and... Some stains on the sofa and pieces of a lamp that had been smashed against the fireplace. Strong box didn't seem to be there. I figured they'd probably needed that for the evidence. Well, I poked around for about half an hour, and then I headed back to town. The moon was starting to come up as we hit a bend in the trail, and the doggonest thing happened. Now, Scar was usually as sure-footed as a mountain goat, and not a bit skittish either, but when a bat came winging out of some cottonwoods, I I darn near sailed right out of the saddle. What the Sam Hill is going... Whoa! Oh, Scar! 
Come on now. Come on. What? what? That's... And that's when I saw it. It was buried under a pile of leaves in a little gully. The first thing that caught my eye was the moonlight glinting off a piece of metal. Easy. Easy, Scott. Easy. Of course, it could have been almost anything. A broken spur or part of a farm tool. Anything. But even before I pulled it out from underneath the leaves and the dirt, I knew it was a gun. Yeah, who's there? It's me, Britt Ponson. Oh, just a minute. I thank you never come, Mr. Ponsett. I get so worried. Well, I'm sorry it took me so long. Well, it does not matter now that you're here. You talk to Marshal Burke. Yeah, yeah, I talk to him. And you tell him Peter did not kill this man. You tell him Peter is not guilty. No, Anna, I couldn't tell him that. What are you saying? Uh, Peter's guilty. What? I found his gun. The gun he used to kill Seth Quincy. No. It was hidden in a gully about a mile from the farmhouse. I do not believe you. I gave it to Marshal Burke. Now, you can see it for yourself if you want to go over there. Pete's initials right on the handle. Only one bullet had been fired. It's the right gun. There's no doubt about no. it. No. No, it could not be. Now, Anna, now listen to me. The only reason I'm, I'm telling you this is... Well, after Monday, there won't be anything you can do about Pete. Uh, It'll be better if you just forget him. I will not forget him. Ever. Oh, it won't be easy. I know that. But as long as you know he's guilty, as long as there isn't any doubt in your mind, well, maybe it's for the best that you found out before... Why you try to tell me lies? Anna, this is the truth. No. You say you will show me gun. You say it belongs to Peter. Well, what does Peter say? Well, of course, he denies it. Then I deny it, too. All right. All right, Anna. I guess there's nothing more I can do about it. You lie to me. You and Marshall. You try to make me think that man I love is a criminal. I do not understand. In old country, they talk about America. They say it's the best country in the world. But this is lie, too. Where is justice? There is freedom. They hang a man for what he does not do. Now, now, Anna, this listen. terrible, terrible country. I wish I never come here. I wish I never leave my home. I have no friend, no husband. I be alone in country that I hate. No, I'm... I'm sorry. And if there's any way I can help you, if, if you need some money... I want you... no help from American. Well... Well, good night, Anna. The light was still on in the marshal's office, so I stopped off and I asked Ned if I could go and have a little talk with Pete. He didn't seem to think it'd do much good, and to tell you the truth, I didn't think so either, but... Well, I couldn't see it'd do any harm to try, so... Pete was a tall, stringy man, about 25 or so, toe-headed with a yellow mustache, kind of a pointed chin. All right, Britt, I'll leave you here. You want out, just give me a yell. Thanks, Ned. 
Sure am popular today, ain't I, Britt? Yeah, I guess you might call it that, Pete. Well? Well, I thought maybe by now you'd feel like coming out with the truth. I told you the truth before. Never seen that gun my whole life. I ain't the only man with those initials, am I? Zed, what's the difference if I'm going to be hung anyway? Well, the difference is Anna. Anna? She believes you, Pete. She believes you're innocent. And as long as you go on saying so, she's going to keep on believing it. Even... Even after... It's kind of nice to have somebody believe in you, Britt. Nobody else does. Now, Pete, you weren't railroaded. You had a fair judge and a fair trial. But Anna doesn't realize that. She's young. She's upset. And she's in a strange country. She wanted to come here pretty bad. Had a lot of dreams about this country. And now that... Now those dreams are turning sour. Maybe it's a good thing she woke up. Well, I just don't happen to agree with you on that. I think this is a pretty good place to live. But Anna won't find that out, not if she goes on feeling this way. Well, what do you expect me to do? Confess to murdering Seth Quincy just so Anna can appreciate the good old USA? If you ask me, this country ain't so hot anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of folks who'd put up pretty good argument about that. Your own father is one of them. You're just wasting your breath. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. Any man who'd kill Seth Quincy in cold blood the way it you did... It wasn't cold blood. I didn't even... Go on, Pete. All right, but I ain't telling you this because of... I don't even know why I'm telling you. I needed money for Anna so we could get married. I wanted to make a good showing like I told in the letters I wrote her. Everybody said Seth had plenty of cash, that he wouldn't put none of it in the bank because he'd had a fight with Mr. Putnam and he kept it all in that strong box. I thought he'd gone to town. I never figured he'd come back and catch me while I was robbing him. I tried to hold him off with my gun, but he just kept coming. I, I had to fire. Even then, he didn't stop. Not until... Well... Pete. What do you want now? I I want you to tell this to Anna. You can tell her. I'm afraid that wouldn't do any good. She's real pretty, ain't she? I never figured on her being so pretty. She was surprised. Yeah. I've been writing her for the last two years. It's Pa's idea. He knew her Ken back in Sweden. Wasn't any girl around here that, well, leastways, none I was interested in. Uh huh. Well, Pete, I'll tell her. But it wasn't cold blood, Britt. Not the way you think. Yeah. Uh, Ned, Ned, I'm all done here. Well. Pete finally explained things to Anna, and I guess she saw what had happened in kind of a different light, maybe. Anyway, she stayed on in Smoke Falls, and last time I was through there, she was working over in Wendy Knight's cafe. She changed some, too, the way she wore hair, the way she dressed. But she she was still just pretty as a picture, right, George? 
And you know something? Wendy had changed. He wasn't talking so much. The folks said that that was Anne's doing. That she'd asked him to simmer down a bit. Well, sir, if she was able to get Wendy to stop talking even for a couple of minutes, if she had that much influence on him, well, you never know, do you? The Six Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is written by Frank Burt and is based on a character created by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Lillian Bias, Bill Johnstone, Lou Merrill, and Harry Killer Bartell. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Oh, yes, and by the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the six-shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Hearing Time brings you the Senate Committee hearings tonight on the NBC Radio Network.